thank y'all for letting us just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, okay? Thank y'all for that. But more importantly, I pray that you would continue to live that attitude each and every day, that you would be sensitive to the, to the Spirit of the living God. We, we script things, and we have so many agendas in our, in our lives, don't we? And sometimes I think we, we, we overschedule, and we miss those moments with the Father. So thank you guys for that. So, um, uh, whew, it's good. So, so good. Um, anyway, cool. Don't know what to do. But we're going to go for it. Because I think that the Lord has a word. It's going to be an abbreviated word for you today, today. But this might just be the, 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 the one spiritual discipline. I think that, that, that so many of us might struggle or wrestle with the most. Because the, 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 the discipline that we're going to see that was demonstrated in the life of Jesus today, this attitude that he had... It so flies in the face of what our culture teaches us today. I mean, we, we've talked about things like worship, and we've talked about prayer. We've talked about confession. And for some of you, that was a breakthrough moment as well, and it might be something you struggle with. We talked about fasting and disciple-making. And last week, we talked about celebration, right? Come on, somebody. There's a party going on right here, a celebration to last throughout the year. How many of you listened to that song this week? Uh, about a thousand times in the James household, I, I know this week. And so uh, um, we've talked about all these things. These are disciplines. This summer we're unpacking these disciplines that, that, that we see that were a part of Jesus' life. And, 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 and I'm no deep theologian and I'm not a rocket scientist and I, I'm, just, I'm just dirt and spit. But here's what I do know. I do know that I call myself a Christ follower. And, and, and therefore, if there's some things that I can see that dominated and, and were a part of Jesus' life, it probably makes good sense if, if I'm one of his to implement those in my life as well. Does that make sense to you? It doesn't. Okay. If I'm a Christian and I say I follow Christ, I probably should do those things that Christ did. Does that make sense to you? Thank you. Awesome. Okay, good. And so that's kind of what our journey is this summer, looking at some of these things that made Jesus tick. We were praying this morning, and, and my friend Michael James said this, you know, there was a great slogan, uh, WWJD, what would Jesus do, right? He said, hey, it ought to be like, what did Jesus do? I mean, it's, it's really easy, not what would he do? We know Scripture gives us clear evidence of those things, right? And so instead of what would he do and us kind of being dazed and confused and saying, okay, I wonder what he would do in this situation. No, just, just know what he did do and then do it. It's really simple. It's really simple. So today I want to unpack one that, that just might be the one that just, if, if there's a spiritual discipline that might hurt maybe a little bit more than the other spiritual spiritual disciplines. It may be just this one. It's this idea of service, serving. Look what it says in Colossians 3 real quick. I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to lock and load and go, okay? Colossians 3.23 says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Did you hear that? Listen, what you and I are about and what we should do, if we have this attitude that we're doing it for the Lord rather than people, I just think that things, our attitudes would probably go to a whole nother level. Would you agree with me there, right? When I go tomorrow and I'm checking people out at HEB, I'm doing it not for people or the boss, I'm doing it for the Lord. When I am serving people food or when I'm meeting a need around me, listen, I'm not doing those things for, I'm doing it, I'm doing it unto the Lord, Right? 
Look what he says in 24. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. Now, here's why this discipline of service, I believe, is so difficult because it, 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 it assaults something in our lives. All of us are eat up with a disease in this room today. And it's this disease called pride. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, seriously, you guys know that if we're not careful, we, we, we all can become consumed with this thing called pride. It's this, this Frank Sinatra attitude. I did it my way, right? Remember the old Burger King slogan, have it your way? And somehow we've created this culture where everything revolves around us, right? Jesse wants it her way. Mike wants it his way. And, and we want it our way. And if we're not careful, this thing called pride Man, it can get all on you, Pastor Wes. Pride can get on you, and it can eat you up, and it can dominate and, and mess you up. And, and, and here's the problem with that. Pr pride so flies in the face of who Jesus was. And, and, and so when we talk about this discipline of service, you, you need to understand something. Some of you, this is going to cause you some hurt and pain when we talk about this thing because you're eat up with this disease called pride. Service is going to require humility. And, and, and we humble ourselves before God, and we're taking on this posture of a, of a servant. We're putting God and others ahead of ourselves. Are you with me there? And, you know, we're all eat up with it. How many two-year-olds have you ever said, you know what? I just, I'm going to abdicate mom and dad, and I'm going to let you guys go to bed when you want to and eat when you want to, and you can watch what you want to on TV. And, hey, mom and dad, seriously, I, listen, that iPhone is yours. It's not mine. I don't need that from you in order to act like a big boy, you know? But, but two-year-olds are born with the mindset, and they come out, mine, 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 right? You ever have a two-year-old say, you know what? Hey, really, it's not about me. It's about you. No, they don't. And so we're all eat up with it at an early, and no one tells us that. None of y'all programmed your kids that way. We just come out of the hatch like that, and it's all about us. And so today I want us to look at real quickly in Scripture because everything we do at 1910 Church, we want to support with the Word of God. Are y'all okay with that? Yeah. And so we've just found that the Bible is still a great guide and instruction book for our lives today. And so when you look at Jesus' life throughout Scripture, you're going to find that there was probably no other greater example of a servant in all of history than Jesus Christ himself. Would you agree with me? If not, let me prove it to you. Matthew chapter 23, verse 11, look what Jesus says. He says, the greatest among you must be a servant. In Matthew 23, 11, in the message translation, I love how it reads, it says this. Do you want to stand out? Then step down and be a servant. Now, listen, I know that none of us ever aspire or dream to when we're little. So you know what? My goal in life is I just want to be a slave and a servant to somebody. You parents, your, your dreams and aspirations for your kids are not to, and I want them to graduate from high school. I want them to go to college and get a degree in being a servant and a slave to someone. No, you don't. See, our culture doesn't teach that, 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 that this idea of serving and us humbling ourselves and positioning ourselves for the betterment of others. We, we, we don't elevate that status, do we? But Jesus says, and he's telling his disciples, listen, do not be like the religious leaders. You see, this was not just a problem in 2018. Even in the times of Jesus, people were eat up with this disease of pride. And it was all about them. 
The religious leaders would walk around with phylacteries strapped around their waist. And by the way, even if you go to the Western Wall today, you're going to see them. They, they wrap these leather straps with little boxes on their forehead and around their, their, their arms, their biceps. And when they go to the wall, it's the word of God tucked in, the, in there. And they feel like if they just want it close to their heart and in their head and what have you, right? They, 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 they just, it was all about ritual. It was all about things that, well, they just met, missed it. It was about them. It was about performance. It was about show. And Jesus says, listen, if you want to be great, you must become a servant. And in, in Mark 9, 35, he says, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. When's the last time you heard that spoken of in our culture? If you really want to be great, if you really want to be first, hey, just serve or take last place. No, you don't hear that. You see, these verses here are spelling out this rare and radical lifestyle that should be a part of every believer's life. And it should make us stand out. In fact, I love this passage in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. You know, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of Jesus. We think of him as a great teacher and a healer. He was compassionate. You know, all these things. And he was all of those things. But I love this verse in Mark 1045, because I think it it shares with us uh, the attitude that Christ had while he was here. It says he came to serve and not to be served. I mean, would you agree with that? If there's anyone in the course of history that deserved to have people cater to his needs, would it not be Jesus? We've talked about in staff meeting from time to time, bringing back those old big throne chairs that used to sit on platforms in churches across America. You remember those? And the the, the, the pastor and the the staff would walk out and sit in those things. I've just offended half a lot of people in this room today and what have you, but... But, 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 but you don't find that modeled or demonstrated. I know people would say, well, here's why we did. Bottom line is we elevate, and oftentimes in our culture, we say that in order to be great, you've got to have the throne. And, and, and for some of us, we've let so many other things creep into our lives today, and they've assumed thronship in us, haven't they? Jesus says... Or the, in Mark 10, it says, he came to serve and not to be served. But look at this. And to give away his life in exchange for many who are held hostage. If, is there any greater picture? Is there any better image of what servanthood looks like than Jesus hanging on a cross? Giving up his life. So that others could live. Now, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying Jesus is calling you to physically die and lay down. Many of you never will have to die for the sake of others. I get that, right? But it's the attitude that Christ had. Understanding that it wasn't about him and what he wanted, but he had a, he had a focus on you and me. He focused on other people. How can we develop this discipline more. You see, if Jesus were here today, I think he would, if physically, he is here. Because in you. But I think if he could speak some words to you today, I think he would probably say this in relation to this, this discipline. I think he would say that the highest title in the kingdom of God is not chairman or pastor or president, but it's servant. It's what I came to do. 
You see, that's the role your master chose. That's the role that the ruler of the galaxies, the prince of glory, the one who touches dirty feet, the one who touches those who no one else will touch, the one who loves those who can ruin his reputation. He's a friend of sinners. He hangs out with the tax collectors. You see, that's the one who lays down his life for those who have no use for him. So flies in the face of what our culture teaches, though, because we like to be served, don't we? Some of y'all are going to go to a restaurant today, and I know what I'm just going to prophesy right now. You're not going to walk back into the kitchen and say, guys, everybody take some time off. I'm going to prepare my own, and I'm going to bring it out, and I'm going to do it my You're not. You're going to plop down. You're going to leave a crappy tip for people that serve you. And don't do it. <laughs> That's right. Don't do it. You know, any servers in the house? Anybody ever been a server? Pastor Blake, the worst tips of the week are given on what day? Sundays. Sundays. Mm. I could talk about giving right now in the church too, and we could talk about how crappy it is. Anyway, that's okay. That's coming. I'm just telling you, two weeks. We're talking about generosity in two weeks. So if you want to miss a Sunday, two weeks from the day, just know. But we're going to be unashamed of that. Generosity, yeah. Next week is purity. Talk about sex maybe a little bit next week too. See, that got your attention. Forget giving, but I'm... Where am I at? We like to be served. We like to have things revolve around us, right? We, 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 want, people to, we, we want people to show up when we... Uh, it's just we want our needs met. We, 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 we want to... to it's just hard to serve other people, isn't it? Man. But what I love about Jesus, and I'm not making this up, I tried to give you scriptural references. He proved over and over again that it's the servant spirit who is ultimately the one who is the most powerful person in the room. Probably the greatest example of, of servanthood, one of the greatest examples besides Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. I love one of the the messages before that was this upper room moment when Jesus humbled himself and modeled humility and he postured himself in such a way of a servant and he began to wash the feet of his disciples. And if, if you've read that account, you know that there was a little confusion and they were scratching their head. They were puzzled, perplexed, and wondering, why would Jesus wash our feet? And, and there's a verse of Scripture. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but, but I think that this is one that's worth memorizing. I, I believe that this ought to be one that kind of mm, propels us towards this discipline of service. In John 13, 15, here's why Jesus did what he did that, that night. Look what he says. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Hey, for those of you here today that are just kind of wondering, hey, how should I live my life? It's really simple. It's, it's really what, what Michael James preached to me this morning. Hey, just do what Jesus did. Do, do those things that you know that Jesus did. Just live those. He did those things so that we in turn would follow course. And can I just tell you something? I believe that the spirit of God that is in this room and the spirit of God that possesses us through, through the power and the work of the spirit within us, I believe that we are more than able, more than capable with the spirit's power at work through us to accomplish the things that we read about through scripture.
Now, that's a little crazy for some of you. I know what you're saying, but I really believe that. And it's not what we do, but it's what he does through us. And, and, and I want you to know something else about that. He, he, he has gifted you and wired you in such a way, and he wants to unleash you in service in his kingdom. He, he, he wants you to do things that, again, our culture says this is not the norm. God wants some abnormal people to rise up in our culture today. And he wants us to assume positions. He wants us to assume roles. And he wants us to begin to fulfill and do some things that just are a little weird. They're not normal. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says that God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Listen, guys, God has gifted you, and when you use that gift, when you use your abilities to help others, check this out, God is glorified. Think of the best Christmas present you ever received. Did you just open that, take that, the the best one? I'm not saying the the, the socks that you used. I'm talking about the best gift you ever got. You took that, and what you, you used it. Some of you bolted out the house immediately. You could not wait to tell your friends, your neighbors. You, You put it into practice. You remember that? Listen, God is gifted and wired you in such a way. And when you use what he's given you, he is honored and glorified. Listen, God wired you to make a contribution. And every one of you in this room today have something of service to bring to the kingdom of God. God did not give you your talents, your gifts, and your abilities just for you. He gave those to you for the benefit of others. Come on. I'm grateful that God has gifted some of you in ways that I'm not. Uh, for friends, I'm so thankful for accountants. I'm so thankful for people that understand taxes. I don't have a clue, Bob Quinn. I don't. I mean, I, I don't even know what dog food to give my golden doodle, much less how to figure taxes. I, I'm so thankful that some of you are mechanically wired and have the abilities. I, I started to put the word carburetor in this message. I can't even spell it. Much less do I know what it looks like or how it operates. I had to call somebody this way and say, bro, I got a tail light out. What do I do? Now, fix it, yeah. Now, don't you start judging me. Because here's the deal, though. I have some things that I can do that you can't. For instance, I, I, I believe that God has gifted me in presenting the word of God in such a clear way that's understandable for people. Right? And, and I hope that that's a blessing, just as that tax man blesses me and just as that mechanic, not going to mention his whole name, but Ty knows who he is, just as we use our gifts for the, they're not just for us, they're to benefit and bless others. Everyone has different gifts and talents and abilities, and God has blessed you, and he wants you to implement and use us in service in the kingdom. Am I making myself clear? You're gifted. And so here's the question I I just kind of want to ask this morning. When are you going to start using your gifts, your talents, and your abilities to start blessing others? When when are you going to implement your uniqueness and your your special attribute? When? 
When, when, when will you understand that, hey, it's not about me, and when will I begin to start serving and looking for needs in ways that I can bless other people? When, will you, when are you going to start helping others? Is that easier? If we don't use those gifts that God's given us, people get cheated. And listen, one of the greatest ways you can bring God glory today is to begin to use your talents. Scripture says use your talents, your gifts to serve one another. God is glorified when you use those to bless others. Look what it says in 2 Timothy 1.9. It is he who saved us and chose us for his holy work. Whoa, listen, he saved us, it says. Can I get that scripture up? It is he who saved us. Can I get that scripture up? It is he who saved us. Can I get that? There you go. It is he who saves us and he chose us for his holy work. Now, I'm about to mess you up right now. You ready? God saved you and he gifted you for ministry. It is he who saved us and he chose us for his holy work, not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan long before the world began, to show his love and kindness to us through Christ. Every Christian is a minister. Did you know that? Now, that doesn't mean that every Christian is a pastor, but you are a minister, And so the question I have is, are you using your talents and gifts to help others? Are you ministering? The Bible says there in 2 Timothy chapter chapter 1, you are saved to serve. Hey, why did God save you? So you would serve. See, a lot of us think, hey, we're just saved so that we can spend an eternity in glory one day. And listen, there is nothing wrong with that. I hope that you are going to be in heaven with me one day. I hope you've said yes to Jesus. I hope that you've come to the end of you and just say, you know what, God, I surrender to your will and your ways. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I understand that there is no way that I could be forgiven of all of my junk and funk except through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm thankful that my eternity is sealed in heaven one day. But listen, until that day, listen, I've been saved so that I can further his kingdom while I'm here on earth. So that I can use my gifts and my abilities, those talents of mine, in order to advance the kingdom. Every time I do that, that's called ministry. And so listen, can you minister in a sales office? Yes, you can. Hey, can you minister in a classroom as a teacher? Absolutely. Hey, can you minister while driving a truck? You bet you can. Whenever you're helping other people in his name, you're ministering. And so check this out real quick. Don't don't, don't miss this. I want you to know that you're a necessary part of this church. God says so. You you, you are a necessary part, not only to be living and, and working and doing everything as it says in Colossians 3, out there for the glory of God. But listen, even in this thing called the church, you're an essential part of this family. So, so look at it this way. If, if I don't use my talents to do what God has gifted me with, you guys get cheated. And if you don't use your talents, I get cheated. And, and when we don't, everybody in the body of Christ gets cheated some way. I, I love that we've had real quick, I'm gonna just, this is just a, a quick quick plug, but the, the, the last 10 months, we've had something going on in, 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 at 1910 Church called the Leadership Academy. 
It's, it's, it's an 11-month program of, of hands-on ministry and theological training. We've had seven students this year go through this, and, and they're about to wrap it up here in a few weeks. Uh, Pastor Danny Phillips is the dean of the Leadership Academy. He says, please address me as Dean Danny. And so we're like, all hell, Dean Danny, whenever he walks. I mean, just his presence just changes environments. It's amazing. But but these students, listen, these students have, have, have said, you know what, I, I'm going to forsake whatever. Maybe for some of them a real job. Maybe for some of them it's been schooling, whatever. Uh, but but they, for, for the last 11 months they've been here studying the Word of God. They've been writing papers. They've been giving presentations. They've, they've been challenged by our staff in different areas of leadership within the body of Christ. But here's the greatest thing that they've done. They have been the hands and feet of Jesus in various service opportunities here within this body of Christ. And we've needed them, and they have made us so much better. In fact, I asked last service, hey, would y'all stand if you're in leadership? None of them are in here right now because they're out serving somewhere. They're rocking your babies. They played instruments today. They're working in the sound and media booth today. They're taking pictures. for. They're just they're, 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 they're out there. You just can't see them. It's like the IMF, Mission Impossible. You can't see them, but they're taking care of some stuff today. You know what I'm saying? But I love that leadership academy. And, and, and they serve and they volunteer. They make the church and they've made us so much better over these last 11 months. Here's the deal. What are you doing to further this vehicle of God? In the church, in most churches, 80% of the work is being done by about 20% or less of the people. You, you know the problem within the church of Jesus Christ is today? There are several, but here's, here's a big one. Bottom line, we've become spectators and we just sit and we, we want somebody else to do it for us. And, and, and we, we don't consider what Jesus just said in all of the, these gospel accounts today about greatness and serving. And this is what I've done, guys. I did it so that you would follow suit. And for some of us listening here today, we still just don't get it. And, and we're content. And I'm just telling you, you're missing out. And here's the reality. We're missing out on your giftedness. Because there is something that you have that will make this thing better. And ah, you're hiding it under a bush. You know what I, we used to sing about that? We'd say, oh, no. Don't hide that. The local church isn't a building. But, but, but it's a body of believers that are fulfilling God's purpose in our lives. And, and when we approach the our involvement and commitment in just a casual manner, I'm telling you, it weakens the entire body of Christ and the impact that we will have in the world around us. Listen, God wants you to win. God wants you to thrive. He, he wants you to fu fulfill your potential that you have in Him. So that's why we're camping out and looking at this attitude of service today. It's an attitude. And, and I'm just wondering if you would let the Holy Spirit of God just kind of begin to gnaw away and eat at that disease that some of us maybe have just been eat up with. Listen, we're all important and we're all needed to do our parts as we fit together. So we want you to serve out there. God's got a calling in your life in here as well. Listen, we can practice this spiritual discipline of service in a myriad of ways. But the purpose of them is to use whatever gifts and abilities we have 
to bring glory and honor to the Father. I want you to stand with me real quick, but don't, don't, don't doze off on me real quick. Listen. Jesus felt that the church was worth dying for. It should be our mission as Christ followers to value living for it. Jesus died for this. Can we live for it? Can we serve and advance it? Can can we embrace the attitude of our Lord and Savior Jesus? Humble ourselves and begin to meet the needs of others all around us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the reminder today of this discipline of service. God, thank you that you weren't a rabbi that just talked about it and wrote books about it. You actually lived it out. You demonstrated it. God, I can get behind, I can get behind somebody who, who's not all talk. I can, I can get behind someone who, who actually backs up what they say by action, right? God, I pray that we'd be a people of action. Your word says that faith without works is it's dead. Lord, I know that we're not saved by our works, but because we are saved, we work. <laughs> we do things for you, Father. Because we are blown away with your love and mercy and grace that you showed to us at at Calvary. Thank you for going to the cross, Jesus. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for modeling for us this selfless attitude. Being willing to give your very best, your very life for us. God, how could we not want to live for you and serve and meet the needs of people all around us? Oh God, I pray that you'd raise up a body of believers who will serve advancing the kingdom of God. God, I pray that with the same attitudes we run at at being the best coach or teacher or, or carpenter or truck driver or domestic engineer or realtor or painter, Lord, student, what, Lord, the same passion we run to be the best of the best in those areas. Oh God, I pray that we would run even harder as a servant of Jesus Christ advancing his kingdom above all. God, thank you for being a servant. May we embrace that discipline as well. For your glory, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said, thank you guys. You're dismissed.